0: Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome Jana Favero, who's the Director of Advocacy and Campaigns at the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre. Welcome uh, to Viewpoints, Jana.
1: Hi Henry, thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure and I'll start with something which is coming on very, very soon and we'd hate to uh, let it slip through the interview and that is World Refugee Day. Tell us all about it, when it's happening and uh, what are we doing?
1: Yeah, World Refugee Day is on the 20th of June and it is an international celebration of refugees. It's a day that um, puts a spotlight or highlight on refugees, the plight of refugees, their contribution around the world, just in recognition that it can sometimes get lost. So it is an international spotlight. There are various events that are run and it kicks off a full week of activities. At the ASRC, for the past five years, we have run a telephone on World Refugee Day with the aim of raising funds to contribute to the critical services such as medical, health, legal, housing, food that we provide for people seeking asylum in Victoria.
0: And um, if people want to become involved, how would they do that, Jana?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If people are interested in getting involved in, in Refugee Day or Refugee Week, there there are two ways. Um, the first way is, of course, to contact the ASRC, which is www.asrc.org.au. The other one is on Saturday for our telephone, is to call in the ASRC on 1300 three hundred six nine two. Seven seven two, which is actually my ASRC. And it really, you know, the phones are being answered. We have people like Tammy Fraser, celebrities, Missy Higgins, who answer the phones. This year it will be a little bit different because we are having to adhere to COVID-19 yes. restrictions and guidelines, but we are still having that day with an aim to raise money. Last year we raised $1.1 $1. 1 million on that day. So that's a way to get involved with the ASRC and the ASRC telephone, um, either through the website or that phone number, and other ways to find out about Refugee Week um, for for people, even perhaps in, in the local Casey area, would be go on to go onto the Refugee Council website and they list all the activities that they have during Refugee Week.
0: Mm, absolutely. Now, you mentioned COVID-19. It's affected... Um well, every facet of life for all of Mm -hmm. us, uh, and and you put a submission through to the Senate inquiry outlining the extreme vulnerability uh, due to government neglect of um, asylum seekers. You might like to elaborate on that for us? uh...
1: Yeah, of course. Look, as every single person has experienced, COVID-19 has had an impact on day-to-day life, whether it's Losing jobs, supporting family members, social distancing, isolation and the impact on people seeking asylum has has been even more significant because people seeking asylum are excluded from any of the government's COVID-19 support packages such as Job Seeker and Job Keeper. So what that has resulted in is a devastating impact on the lives of people seeking asylum. At ASRC and many other refugee support agencies across the country we've seen a threefold increase in demand Um, and that means because people who have been working and contributing have lost their job and simply because they're seeking asylum, simply because they're on a temporary visa, they can't access JobKeeper. So they've been been paying taxes and all of a sudden they do not have any income at all and people who are unable to secure work perhaps particular vulnerabilities or the stage that they're at in their visa process seeking asylum cannot access job seeker either. So it's even further punishment for people who are simply seeking a better life, seeking safety and protection in Australia. But at a time when we are supposed to be all in this together, there are certain groups who are not in it together. We are seeing, you know, families with with young children where the parents had been working and all of a sudden have lost their jobs due to COVID nineteen and now have absolutely no income. They're facing homelessness, they're facing destitution. Uh, We have been handing out thousands of emergency food packs per month to people, including to families with young children, because they have nowhere else to turn because they have been completely abandoned by the government during what we know is the largest pandemic of our time.
0: I mean it beggars belief in uh, in many ways um, mm. but but even from the point of view of the people making those decisions uh, uh, we're all going to suffer um, if, if these people uh, through that sort of neglect and homelessness uh, they're going to be more vulnerable on many levels and one of them would be COVID-19. Uh,
1: absolutely and what a lot of people don't know is that many people seeking asylum don't have access to Medicare. So... During a health pandemic, I mean, even if you just take it from the pure best interests of public health point of view, you have people who, like everyone, could be at risk of contracting um, COVID-19, but can't even access Medicare, can't access any public health um, support. And at a time when it is a public health emergency, you'd think that you'd be wanting people to access medical health and support. So it really does. It absolutely beggars belief. I've worked for the ASRC for 10 years, and I keep seeing punitive, deterrence-based policies. And I really thought that, wow, well, when there is a pandemic that's affecting the economy, it's affecting public health, that we would do everything to help everyone in our community. But yet again, people seeking asylum have really been neglected. And as you said, it puts their life and their health at risk, which due to COVID-19 and the spread of it, 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 it's something that could easily spread or there could be an outbreak. Like, for example, was seen in in Singapore amongst migrant communities during because they're forced to live in crowded, cramped conditions. Same as in Australia. We are seeing people who have lost their job and moving and then having to live in a share house with eight, nine, ten other people. I mean, and that's if they're lucky. A lot of others are facing homelessness. So... I mean, I I can't believe I continued to get shocked by how much people seeking asylum are left behind by our government and continue to be treated unfairly and unjustly. Um, and I thought that finding compassion wouldn't be too hard during COVID 19, but even during these really uncertain and challenging times, people seeking asylum have not been afforded a safety net and the right to safety and protection. It, it's just it's devastating as someone who fights for the rights of people. Um, that this continues to happen within our community.
0: Yeah, on a personal level, you've been there now 10 years. And Mm. uh, what impact has that had on on you? And uh, I guess your resilience and and your passion Mm. and idealism. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in terms of my passion, it just spurs me on because, I mean, I'm... Every day, uh, you know, at work, I'm in contact with people seeking asylum and I see their resilience and they have been through so much more. Like, you know, I'm just fighting for people's rights. They've actually lived through the loss of their rights. So I'm always reminded that if people seeking asylum continue to be so strong and so resilient with what they've been through, then it's not much of an ask for me to keep fighting for their rights because I am privileged. I have a voice. I don't have fear of a punitive government to have ramifications of speaking out. I live with my family. I'm not separated from my family. And it is hard. I mean, um, I have taken three lots of maternity leave within that 10 years, so maybe that's one way to survive and <laughs> having a few, yes. few mini breaks, as you might call them. Um, but I, look, I, in 2017, I visited the um, Manus Island Detention Centre. It was like a prison That was very challenging from a personal point of view and I was just really shocked because it brought to the reality the absolute intentional cruelty that one human can inflict on another through our government's policies. And that has just continued to spur me on. But I think everyone who works in this sector, it's exhausting because you're hearing such devastating personal stories, but you're also working in a sector that's continually under attack from government policies, withdrawing of funding, ever-changing situations. Um, I mean, look, even that COVID-19 submission, the Senate submission you referenced, mm. it was due in the middle of COVID-19 when we we're all so frantically busy, but the reporting won't be to 2022. So <laughs> there's continual deadlines that are put on us. Um, so how I've gotten through it, it's really by being completely... Motivated by people seeking asylum, seeing their resilience and appreciating that I am a very lucky position just due to the lottery of human life that I can speak out. I have a supportive family who um, support me doing multiple trips back and forth to Canberra while I'm pregnant with two young kids mm. um, and a great community. But it, it's really, really hard, but whatever I'm experiencing is nothing compared to what people seeking asylum are experiencing.
0: Mm. Yeah, inspiring, inspiring mm. message from you there, uh, Jana. When you take a short break, can you hold the line? <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, and I'm in the middle of discussion with Jana Favera, who's the Director of Advocacy and Campaigns with the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre, and World Refugee Day is coming up this Saturday, the 20th of June, and there are many ways that we can uh, work together with the ASRC. Welcome back, Jana. Thank you. Now, your frontline staff and caseworkers, you're really a lifeline and one of very few uh, for people seeking asylum. Tell them a little about your services.
1: Yeah, so the ASRC uh, started 19 years ago and it was um, started by Conn, who is the founder and still the current CEO, and he was operating... a TAFE course where they were looking into doing a project that could practically help people who were sort of falling through the gaps. So 19 years ago they started a project collecting food and handing out food to people seeking asylum and that's really where the ethos and ASRC has grown to. It is today is founded on providing services and goods and services to people where they're falling through the gaps because of um, lack of policy and support And really being run by volunteers, and that's what ASRC is today. But unfortunately, that magnitude and that gap has widened. Um, It's become, I would say, it's not even a gap, it's like a canyon in terms of what people seeking asylum can access. Um, Many are now here for seven, eight, nine, ten years before they get a decision. And even with those decisions, a lot are only put onto temporary protection visas, so they're separated from their family. Um, Many, while they're in the process of seeking asylum, don't have access to Medicare. They may have restrictions on how many hours they can work. They don't have access to much government support. And then, of course, there are those who are held in detention centres on or offshore. So over 19 years, we've seen absolute deterioration in access to rights. So ASRC has stepped in and has grown to providing about 30 different services to people seeking asylum, such as legal services to help people navigate the very complicated process of seeking asylum, Mikey tickets just so that they can travel into the ASRC, counselling, casework, food packs, nappies, education and employment services, English classes. We also have a health clinic because, as I've mentioned, many people seeking asylum don't have access to Medicare. So ASRC really has stepped in to be a one-stop shop for people who don't, have anywhere else to go. Um, For example, at the moment, we are handing out uh, hundreds of food parcels per week and 90% of people who are getting their food parcels have no income at all. So that means that they have nowhere else to go. And there are many other agencies who are also stepping into support. It's not just ASRC. They're incredible community groups. But in terms of um, comprehensive... Support, ASRC is there to help people so that they're not homeless and destitute. So we really are at the front line. Even during COVID 19, we have been recognised as an essential service and we've had to keep our doors open because otherwise people would literally have nothing and nowhere else to go.
0: Mm. I mean, small as it is, that's, uh, that is some, some valuable uh, recognition there, uh, Jana. Uh, Jana, um, in moving forward, and uh, uh, from my perspective, I think one of the challenges that asylum seekers have had is that um, there doesn't appear to be a massive difference in policy between the major political parties. Uh, it's more style than substance in some ways. And uh, if we want effective change, um, how do we get uh, an alternative uh, perspective at, at the government level that's significant?
1: Yeah, look, there, um, there have certainly been moments in time where I would agree with you that both major political parties, there's not much difference. However, over the last few years, Um, the Labor Party has significantly changed a lot of their policies. The platform that they took to the last election did include a safety net for people seeking asylum, did include pathways to permanent protection rather than temporary visas. So while um, it's not as well known, there there are actually some differences between the two major parties. I mean, life could not be worse for people seeking asylum than under the current um, government's policies. However, in saying that, there are still um, areas such as indefinite detention and offshore processing that both parties um, are aligned in. So it's really, one is just um, understanding where the different parties do lie. Obviously, you've got some of the independents and the Greens whose refugee and asylum policies are really to be commended and are in line with pretty much everything that ASRC is asking for and lobbying on a policy level. So firstly, I would say there is actually a difference between the two major parties ASRC may, I'm sorry, the ALP may not shout that from um, the rooftops, but there is quite a big difference when you actually have a look at the the policy platforms. And secondly, I mean, the government wants us to be tied. They want to wear us down. They want us to think that there's no opportunity for change. So we stop agitating. And now is the time when it feels like there's no hope at all is when we've really got to be as loud as ever. We've got to make sure we keep fighting, we keep signing petitions, we keep calling MPs and contacting MPs. As we saw with the Kids Off Nauru campaign, I mean, that changed public opinion. It changed the lives of, of those families and kids who are on Nauru to be transferred to Australia. And then with Medivac, which, yes, then was repealed, but it does show that people power can make a difference. And we had a lot of MPs giving us feedback saying, we didn't know this was important to the community, but once we heard from the community, it did make an impact. So, I really would encourage all of your listeners who do care about the policies of people seeking asylum is' to contact your local m p whether they are um you know where, where where they sit i mean mostly they'd be you know listening in casey but you know federal and state m p s and either urging them to change their position if their party's position um, isn't one that's sympathetic or encouraging others to keep fighting for the the plight of refugees and people seeking asylum. We are a democratic country. It sometimes feels like there's no power to it, but there is still, you know, they are elected representatives and we need to hold them to account. So yes, while there doesn't seem like there's much hope for change, we need to be the ones who create that change and create that momentum for change. And I firmly believe we can still do it. We just need to be really active and really noisy and make our voices heard and also make room for voices for people that's experienced so that they can actually advocate for their own lives
0: yeah look um, hope is something we always have to keep <laughs> working for and yes. in speaking of hope yeah the Victorian state government uh, has has made a has made a gesture in that regard of which I believe your organization uh, is very pleased with you might like to elaborate on that 120 job scheme.
1: Yes, yes. So look, the Victorian state government and and quite a few of the state governments have actually stepped in where the federal government should be, but isn't. Uh, So at the moment, we were lucky enough to receive a grant from the Victorian government, which is called a Working for Victoria initiative, where we have received funding to be able to employ 120 people seeking asylum Um, for the next six months. It was a COVID-19 response to help stimulate jobs in the economy. So we're really lucky to have received that. And we're actually just in the process of doing our final induction for the 120 people, and they will start on Monday, next Monday, 22nd of June, which is in Refugee Week, which is a great coincidence at the ASRC. So it's 120 people who now have employment for the next six months that wouldn't without that grant. Um, There have also been some other grants from... Victorian state government around emergency relief and housing for people seeking asylum during COVID-19. So state governments, and it's not just Victoria, have certainly stepped in. But, yeah, the Working for Victoria initiative, it's just actually given me goosebumps to talk about it because (laughs) it's a huge amount of work, but it is 120 people. I was involved in some of the interviews and, wow, like, you know, Victoria is going to gain a lot more by having... um, the people in the positions of work now that they wouldn't have been without this grant. So it's really exciting, and there are one hundred and twenty new impressive colleagues that are about to join me in the ASRC on Monday, which is fantastic. And, and a huge thanks to the Victorian government for taking leadership on it. It's such a great initiative.
0: Yes, and it and it gives it gives uh, gives heart to the fact that, as you said earlier, um, hope hope rises, and while there's hope, Jana um well there's always a potential for a future look it's been a great pleasure chatting with you as always i just want to congratulate you once again as i have to con in the past on the great work that you do um and i think the hub of any great culture is a society with uh, with compassion and empathy for and inclusiveness for all its people and uh, you're working very hard in that direction
1: No, thank you and thank you for giving visibility to the issue issue as well. Um, And again, I encourage any of your listeners, please look up ASRC on our website um, to either take action, support our telethon... And thank you. Have a great Refugee Week to everybody.
0: We will. You too, Jana. Take care. That was Jana Favera, who's the Director of Advocacy and Campaigns at the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre. And it is uh, Refugee Week, listeners. And uh, don't forget that. We'll take a short break. Don't go away.